Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is brought to you in part by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the choice for the world's best entrepreneurs, embracing technology to solve some of the greatest challenges. Using the term my guest today may sound funny or maybe even awkward, since my guest is my amazing co-host Tara McCool. Good morning, Tara. Good morning. Let me introduce you to the okay. audience. Okay, okay. I'm interested to see how you're going to introduce me. <laughs> As many veteran Can- Calgarians know, Tara began her career in broadcasting and journalism. Did someone say breakfast TV? Mm-hmm. She later transitioned into the corporate world where she worked her way up to an executive role leading HR and communication for an oil and gas company. After 10 years in the oil and gas industry, Tara decided to focus solely on leadership awareness and started her consulting company. And now, recently, she was appointed as Chief Culture Office, right? Culture Office? Officer. Officer, sorry, officer for a U.S.-based company called Foundation Auto. It did take me a while to convince Tara to be a get my guest. <laughs> I also had to bribe Kevin, her husband, and her with, with wine and, and dinner. But you finally agreed. So, Tara, first of all, my first question is from broadcasting to here, it's a long journey. It, it came full circle. Yeah. So, how did you go through this journey? Well, like, what, what made you kind of do the moves and, and change? Mm, you know, we are starting all the way back there, hey? Well, um, well you're I, young. It's not a lot of, not I, years. Yeah, <laughs> I'm 52. I got a few years under my belt. But yes, I, um, I was going to school in New York, and I thought that I wanted to own my own store. I wanted to own like a Holt Renfrew type of store. And in, in my last year, I realized I don't think this is for me. There's a lot of desk and paper pushing, and that's not really my style. So I decided to do my mandatory co-op in television, and I worked for Good Morning America. I uh, had an amazing experience there, worked for Good Morning America with the executive producer and producers, worked with um, MTV, House of Style, did some stuff there. And then when I moved back to Calgary, uh, the, the movie show, which used to be on the air many years ago, was expanding from one day a week to six days a week. So I sent them a note saying, you must need a production assistant. And they did. So that's where my TV journey started. But I never thought I would be on air. I always thought I would be behind the scenes producing. And um, it just so happened that uh, I auditioned for a little 30 second thing and the sponsor ended up liking my tape and as we said the rest is history. the rest is history moved into news went into yeah I started in entertainment and then everyone was like you can't possibly move to news after you're in entertainment you just don't have the credibility but um, a channel was starting up and I actually applied for the entertainment anchor and then the news director said I have something different in mind hmm We'll do the five o'clock news. So started doing that and doing reporting and anchoring and then moved to um, global television, did the morning news there, and then back to BT and worked there. What made you move from TV to oil and gas? Uh, You know, I felt there had been a lot of moves and shifts and different ownership. Uh, And at the time, we were owned by a company out of Toronto. And I just found that 
it was very different. It, it had gone from very local and and really focusing on local um, the local businesses and focusing on Calgary to something a little bit different. I had just had enough of it. And not only that, but the mornings were getting harder and harder. Uh, I had three little kids and um, they were going to bed a little bit later. And so I felt like I was missing out on some things. So it was time. It was just time. And I, I really, I did not regret that decision. It was hard because it was the only thing I had ever done in my life professionally, but, um, but it was the right move. I want to go now and talk about um, leadership. And okay. uh, you and I had many discussions uh, mm-hmm. after we had guests here and, you know, personal discussions about leadership. And sometimes um, we see Ian and I, or sometimes we have a kind of a, a little bit of a, a, a misunderstanding or let's call it We this can way. disagree. Yeah. We disagree. Uh, the reason I wanted to kind of talk with you today is very kind of... Uh, I would say, connected to what's happening around us. Mm-hmm. Um, two days ago, Thursday, um, the provincial budget came out. Today, Saturday, um, we hope that the Premier is going to announce lifting the restrictions. My company, Barclay Street Real Estate, we started receiving emails from national and international companies that are calling their employees back to the office. Mm-hmm. You always talk about leadership, and you have a very distinct compassionate leadership. If you had to give today an advice to leaders that have to bring their employees back and accept them back to the office, what will be kind of your, I would say, what are the nuggets you'll share with them to help ease that move, help ease ease that kind of transition? Mm -hmm. Well, um, there are a lot of different opinions about this, of course. I think that I do think that through the last two years have really shown leaders that people can, in fact, work from home. They can be productive, but not everybody is. A lot, there are a lot of people who need to have that social interaction. They need to be at the office to have focus. And I think that the biggest thing for leaders right now and anytime really is listen, ask questions. How are your employees feeling about these, these, the move? So if you've decided as a business that you need to bring everybody back and everybody needs to come back into the office, get a gauge on that. Let people know, start with your leadership team because they're closest to the front lines, right? Talk to them about how this is what we need to do for these reasons. What are your thoughts? Let's throw out everything up on the board here with what our risks are. If we make this decision and do we have any ways that we can be flexible? What are we willing to be flexible with? And I think that that's the biggest thing right now is, is it seems like on either end for a while there, people were really digging in. It's all or nothing. And there is something to be said for compromise and, and um, being flexible with different people. Everybody's got different situations going on. So if you feel like you want everybody back in the office, are you willing to maybe listen to the person who says, can I please have one day where I work from home? And if you're not willing to, why? Mm-hmm. Right? It's really just understand, like listening to what they're saying and then really making sure you're very clear on the why behind your decision. You want everybody back in the office, why? What value does it add? What's the reason for it? So that they're very clear on how it, how it helps your business and the reason you made the decisions. 
In your bio, um, you have a quote there, not a quote, but you kind of mentioned that um, part of the mission that you have is helping leaders understand that being compassionate is not being weak. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's uh, one of the things that, that I come across very often, right? Um, as, soon as, I, as soon as I start talking about compassionate leadership and the benefits of it, I have had people say to me, well, what do you mean? I'm not going to let my people walk all over me. <laughs> you know, I, I have to lead. That's not being a leader. But that's not what this is about. Being a compassionate leader is actually one of the hardest forms of leadership. It's tough to have really good, hard conversations that people need to hear instead of putting your head in the sand and ignoring issues that are going on. Um, when you're a compassionate leader, you're noticing when something's off within your employee base, and then you're taking action on whatever that is. Now, not everybody receives compassion in the same way, but the point is you're, you're noticing what's happening and then you're taking some kind of action, which may be as small as just tapping someone on the shoulder and saying, hey, everything okay? Right? So being compassionate is, is a real sign of strength and you, you need to know what's going on in the organization and you need to be willing to look at other perspectives before being judged, being judgmental, right? So if you're mad about something, take a second, look in the mirror and say, okay, how did I contribute to this situation? What role did I play in what's going on right now? And then that will calm your energy down before you start to have a conversation with somebody and ask questions instead of making assumptions. That's really being compassionate. And you, that, that also creates a trust within teams, which I think is really important. It's foundational to having a cohesive team. So basically, uh, if I summarize your last two answers, it's the art of listening and ask, asking questions. Yes. Uh, the best leaders are not the leaders who sit in a meeting and lecture. Tell, lecture and tell everybody their opinions and how it should be. The best leaders listen to all the smart people around them. And, and then does the leader need, need to make the final decision? Of course, the leader makes the final decision after assessing what everybody thinks, because if everybody has the opportunity to weigh in on a decision, then they will have buy-in. My guest today is my co-host, Tara McCool, Chief Culture Officer <laughs> of Foundation Auto. I love the title. We'll be back after the commercials. Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is sponsored in part by Canadian Western Bank. Obsessed with your success. It's time to partner with a bank that sees the world the same way you do. Visit cwbank.com. Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is brought to you in part by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the choice for the world's best entrepreneurs. Embracing technology to solve some of the greatest challenges. We are back with my guest and co-host Tara McCool in her new role as Chief Culture Officer for Foundation Auto. Um, Tara, one thing that um, became, I would say, in every conversation about leadership, in every conversation about the workplace, is DEI. Mm -hmm. Diversity, diversity, equity, and uh, inclusion. Not to confuse with DUI. <laughs> yeah, let's not confuse those two. <laughs> How do you see leadership today dealing with the DEI? 
Well, what's nice to see is that it seems to be evolving from a tick the box, we must do this for the board report, um, into actually understanding that this is something that will benefit the company. Um, you know, you want to have a diversity of uh, diverse perspectives, um, obviously equality. Inclusiveness is a really important piece of this because you can have a diverse crowd, but if you're not including everyone's perspectives, then uh, why bother? So the inclusive piece, I think, is really important. And I, I think that uh, more progressive leaders are understanding the benefits to having a diverse and inclusive workforce. Going back to the question before the, the commercial mm-hmm. about people perceive it compassion uh, as being weak and also with the DEI the diversity diversity equity and inclusion mm-hmm. what's the pushback that you feel and how do you overcome pushback from some of the leaders let's say my age right <laughs> the compa- the compassion piece yeah it, and it's true and it's not to generalize but you know with people who grew up with that in, in the industrial type of revolution area where it was thou shalt do this and don't ask me questions um, that's the way that leaders led for a certain period of time well the The people coming out of university and um, you know baby boomers the the younger generations they're saying I don't want to deal with that anymore I actually want to be able to have conversations I want to feel valued I want to be able to be part of this uh, conversation because what I have to say actually matters more importantly um, if the CEOs are not open to listening to what the younger generations are saying and thinking, they're just going to be out of touch. I mean, how do you possibly evolve your business if you're stuck in your old ways, right? Like that's just the end of a business if you're not moving on and evolving with the workforce and with the strategies and with trends and whatever's helping happening in the world. So I do think that um, to overcome the pushback, I don't, I don't, When I have conversations with people, I'm not about compassionate leadership. I'm not trying to change their minds. You know, I don't really find that that works. It's more just let's have a conversation and to help you um, understand my perspective of what compassionate leadership is. And either people get it or they don't. To be honest, I, I haven't had one person who has not, after experiencing, like putting some of this stuff into action, I haven't had one person that has come back to me and said, this is crap. This does not work, right? It's, it's just the way that leadership is going. We need to have compassionate leaders leading people who, who look at different perspectives, who are willing to really, truly care about the people who work for them and with them. And... And want to grow and develop the people around them that's just inevitably going to help your business let me play a little bit of a devil's advocate shocker <laughs> <laughs> and you know you mentioned uh, the baby boomers you mentioned uh, the way that leadership was before and the way mm-hmm. uh, let's call it after World War two not everything was bad because we built something I'm a decade older than you so my parents and myself and my brother were We built something with that old system. So mm-hmm. not everything is so bad with the old system. How do we find a balance between the new and the old? And that's a really fair comment. A lot of great things have happened over the years with that type of leadership. We've seen some of the biggest companies with the toughest leaders have been very successful. But things evolve as people, as, as the 
workforce changes and evolves, you have to be ready to be flexible with that workforce. So, you know, as new information comes in, you just have to be willing to look at those different perspectives and possibly evolve the way that you're leading. It just doesn't work anymore. There might be some industries where um, there might be an exception, but in my opinion, I feel like it's really evolving and moving because um, what we're seeing is real, genuine, re- positive results from some of the biggest companies in the world with this type of leadership evolution. Uh, one of the people that you follow religiously, his name, if I correct me if I'm wrong, Adam Grant or something like that. Yeah, I really like. I really like. And I liked. Uh, I liked a post that you uh, shared yesterday that companies that you know buy lunches and pay for the gym, um, it's just. Lipstick cover, so I'm going to stop because I'm doing it at my company. So thank you for that. You're going to save me money. But all jokes aside, the comment he made at the end is the workload. Who defines whether it's the workload is fair or not fair? The people will define whether the Which workload. People? Well, the people who are doing the work. And what what's happened is we're understanding um, some of the mental and physical impacts of burnout and people who are working too hard. We weren't looking at those things years and years and years ago, right? It's just, just do it. Just do it. People are living longer now. There's I mean, a company that has made billions out of slogan. just do it. Yeah. <laughs> that's very, that's true. But no, I think that, I think that people are more willing to say, because people are demanding more work-life balance. That's what's happening here. So basically right? you're saying we spoiled our kids. No, no, that's not at all what I'm saying there. You know, I think that it's, I think we have to learn from the young people coming into the work industry where they're saying, I I saw my parents work 16, 18 hours a day. I never saw them. I saw how stressed they were all the time. I don't want to live like that. And they've learned from that and they want something different for their families. So I feel like there does need to be a happy balance where where the expectations need to be very clear that when you're at work, we expect this type of performance. Um, and uh, that's part of this, right, is being really clear on expectations. When companies are clear on their overall objectives and how every department and drill down into how each person actually adds value and contributes to hitting those overall objectives, people are motivated to get moving, but they have to have specific objectives and expectations in place to do that. So if they're, if they're hitting all of those, um, the expectations and they're excellent workers, but saying, I just, I can't keep taking more, then, you know, take a look at that. Just listen. Mm -hmm. And maybe, maybe there's somebody who uh, truly isn't able to handle the workload that's needed for that particular role, but have the conversation, just listen to what's happening. We have about two minutes before the end of the show, and we probably can talk for more hours. Um, What is the role of the employees? What of the role of the employees in leadership? Uh, I think that that's a really, really good question because the uh, the onus is not only on leaders. <laughs> it's uh, I think that leaders have a responsibility to help grow and develop their people, but the employees it goes both ways. The employees need to take control of their own 
futures, right? So if you would like to see yourself go a, a specific trajectory, your leader cannot read your mind. So let, let your leader know your expectations as well. This is where I want to go. This is what I'd like to do. How do we get there? And either it's a go or it isn't, or maybe you have a few, you know, dips and doodles before you actually get there. Rarely is it a straight line, right? But the expectation piece is really, really important. It goes both ways. So I always guide people to, you know, they'll complain about their leader and then you ask the question, well, have you had this conversation? Have you had the conversation? No. Okay. Well, have the conversation. Let them know how you're feeling. I, I, I don't know many leaders who deliberately try to uh, make their, li- their employees' lives miserable. It's genuinely, usually just a lack of awareness. And they don't have people around them who are telling them the truth. They have a lot of yes people. People have to be willing to have people around them who will tell them the truth as leaders. That's really important. And they have to create the environment where their employees feel comfortable coming to them and saying, this is what I'd like to do, or this is how I felt after that last meeting, or whatever it is, right? And then you need to take that feedback and role model how to accept constructive or negative feedback. Take a breath and then ask questions and learn from it. Tara, so ask questions, listen. It goes both ways. And it's only when you cooperate with both sides of the equation, the company is going to make a big splash. In my opinion, yes. Compassionate leadership is, makes all the difference. My guest today was my co-host, Tara McCool, Chief Culture Officer at Foundation Auto. Thank you, Tara, so much for being my guest today. Thank it was you. a pleasure. Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is sponsored in part by Canadian Western Bank. Obsessed with your success. It's time to partner with a bank that sees the world the same way you do. Visit cwbank.com.